When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, we are back with the preview series. Uh, and today, Rod, we got Penn State. Um, so Penn State also went through a coaching change. Uh, last year, they, they wound up 11-14, and 7-12 and 12 in the Big Ten, which was tied for 10th. Um, what's sort of your overall impressions? Which honestly was not bad when you consider the circumstances. Just to yeah, and I understand with COVID and everything else, it seems like 10 years ago. But if you remember Pat Chambers, who it was really unfortunate – he had a team the year prior that was going to get an NCAA tournament bid and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And then over the, but, but that still was enough that it had seemed to save his job. And then over the summer, there were some issues um, regarding treatment of former players, things he had supposedly said uh, that did cut. Well, he did have some of his players. I remember Lamar Stevens was an advocate for him, but it, it, it just didn't matter. So he lost his job fairly late in the in the in the year. I think it was God was it August or September. It was pretty late, mm-hmm. and um, they went with one of his assistants. Jim Ferry was the um, the interim coach. And considering that all that tumult, and the fact that they had lost two key players from the year prior, Mike Watkins and Lamar Stevens, I think it was pretty pretty interesting that they were able to be as competitive as they were they were as you say they were only 11 and 14 overall but they were 7 and 12 in the league and and they were a dangerous team at times mm. you know but um obviously that wasn't going to be enough to uh give jim ferry the job i think he would have had to have taken them to the tournament and even that might not have been enough i don't know um but they ended up dipping into the uh the assistant ranks, just as we, we just got done talking about Minnesota and Ben Johnson. Um, and they hired Micah Shrewsbury and Micah Shrewsbury had a lot of experience with Matt Painter, four years in two different two year stints, including most recently the last two years. Um, before that he did a long stretch with Brad Stevens, both at Butler. And then he went with Stevens to the NBA and the Boston Celtics. So Shrewsbury is a guy who's been around some really good programs. I mean, obviously, um, what, uh, what Brad Stevens did at Butler, pretty remarkable. Um, he had some success for a while in Boston, too. Uh, and then Matt Painter at Purdue has run a very, very good program. And so Shrewsbury has been part of winning organizations. How that's going to translate to being the head guy at a place that let's be honest, the history tells you is not easy to win at. Yeah. Um, that remains to be seen, but I, I guess I cut two ways. One, one thought is it seems to be standard operating procedure, right? That usually when a guy gets fired, they replace him with someone 
who is very different. And Shrewsbury is Penn State has kind of oscillated over the years between trying to have an East Coast orientation, which Pat Chambers definitely did. He was very Philly centric mm. in his recruiting and having guys who seem to orient more toward the Big Ten. Um, you know, Jerry Dunn had some of that in him, um, you know, recruiting that territory. But looking at his background, you would think Shrewsbury is going to be that kind of guy because that's where he comes from. You know, all that time in the state of Indiana um, at the collegiate level, at least would, at two different programs would, would sort of telegraph that. But, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, and it remains to be seen how successful that will be. Mm. Uh, and so I think you'd mentioned in the uh, previous episode that there were a few teams, three teams that went through coaching changes. Um, Minnesota was not able to hold on to their team. Uh, but Penn, Penn State, on the other hand, considering uh, all the people that initially entered the portal, they wound up uh, holding on to quite a few. Um, yeah, it was about a 50-50 split. Uh, unfortunately for them, the guys that departed were really important guys. Yeah, Myron Jones, uh, he yeah. winds up going to Florida. Um, but yeah. he was averaging 15.3 points a game, 39 from the floor, 40 from three, 77 from the line. He's He was probably... Uh, not, not that I think about this a lot, but if I had to, if I had to choose a favorite non-MSU player in the Big Ten over the last couple of years, he would have been near the top of that list. I just love the way he played. That, that accuracy, you know, the efficiency, 40% from three is great on pretty high volume. But the thing I really liked about him is he just had an incredibly quick release. Yeah. yeah. Remember, there was, a, there was a game two years ago, Cassius' senior year, where he just tortured MSU because they just couldn't get to him. Mm-hmm. Just a shot, you know, he would catch, a, he would be the recipient of a pass and just bam into a shooting motion and it's gone faster than the defense could even challenge the shot. And, and so he was a really, really good shooter. And he, he also did other things, as we mentioned, pretty well. Reasonably solid secondary ball handler, not a point guard, but he was okay. Uh, good defensive player. I, just, I really like him. He's a hell of addition for, an addition for Florida and a big loss for Penn State. If they could have gotten him to come back, uh, that would have been a major deal, but obviously it wasn't in the cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then their starting point guard, Jamari Wheeler, um, leaves for Ohio State. Um, yeah. And he was a big scorer, too. 6.8 points a game, 40 from the floor, 36 from three, 68 from the line, 2 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. Uh, so that's another big. Big hit, not to mention now they have to play him at Ohio State. Yeah, and he's an outstanding defensive player too. Disruptive. You know, he, I think he's been one of the more underrated guys in the conference the last two, three years. He's never got a lot of attention, and it's in part because he didn't put up a lot of huge counting numbers. Like He just doesn't yeah. take a lot of shots, but he's actually become a pretty decent shooter the last couple of years. Good playmaker, but... You know, not not up at the top of the assist charts in the conference. Hellacious defender. Um, I think he was a steal for Ohio State. Just a great addition. They something they really needed, and consequently yeah. a big loss for Penn State because um, Wheeler is one of those guys that that can quietly be a real key to success and make your team go because of all the ways he impacts the game beyond scoring. 
Mm-hmm. And he's a veteran. I mean, he's in his fifth year now. So that's a lot of experience. Yeah. Uh, and then Isaiah Brockington, um, who was sort of the energizer for them on the wing, uh, second leading scorer at 12.6 points a game, shot 43, 28, and 84, uh, and grabbed uh, almost just under five rebounds a game. He's headed to Iowa State. Yeah. It's, you know, th- th- these three guys shows you the hit that Penn State took in the portal in their perimeter group because these would have been your three starters. <laughs> they yeah. were last year. Point guard and your two wings. Brockington, maybe not a great three-point shooter, but he knows who he is. He gets to the rim a lot. Um, kind of a downhill player, plays with a lot of energy, high motor. I, I like him, um, even with the shaky deep shooting. Um, so, yeah, losing those three guys, definitely. You know, there's a reason that Penn State is picked 13th where I've got them. It's not that they don't have any talent, but you lose three guys like this, that that's tough to replace. They're going to give it a go, but uh, I don't know how successful I believe that's going to be. Yeah, and, and then they lose some depth in the post. Uh, they lose Trent Butrick, 6'9 power forward, um, three points a game, three rebounds. He's off to UMass. Yeah, you know, he was – that's a guy. Now we're getting into guys. I think you can replace. He was he was a try hard guy and he had a big body, but that, that's not a major loss. And Abdul uh, Simbilla, um, he transfers out to Fordham, um, but didn't play a whole lot. Yeah, he he didn't really have an opportunity. He's a young guy, didn't really have an op- opportunity to do much. So again, much as we talked about in the last episode with Sam Freeman, you. You don't yet really know what you've lost, but at least to date, he hasn't demonstrated that he's bringing a lot to the table. Mm. Um, so then they do have the some guys coming back. Seth Lundy, 6'6", junior, four-man, uh, 10.1 points a game, 4.2 rebounds, 39, 32, and 81 from the floor. Yeah, I, he was a guy who was really hot and cold. You might remember early last season in the non-conference, such as it was, um, he got off to a great start shooting the ball, and then that didn't from deep, and that didn't maintain. Uh, but he has the potential, mm-hmm. and and I like him as as an undersized four. I think if he can tick that deep shooting up just a little bit, then he becomes really dangerous. And obviously, losing the three guys we just mentioned it's not going to be enough for this team for him to score 10 points a night. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, he's got to, he's got to do more, you know, he, in fact, he probably needs to be either the primary or the number two scoring option. That would be my guess. Uh, and then they get John Harar back six, nine tight end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he actually went into the portal and then Shrewberry was able to uh, talk him out of it. Uh, he averaged 8.8 points a game, 8.8 rebounds. Um, big, big player for them inside. Yeah, you know, I really like him. He was a guy briefly, you mentioned he entered the portal. There was brief a brief note that he was interested in Michigan State. I, yeah. I don't know that it was ever reciprocated. And, you know, as it turns out, MSU, I thought, would lose more than one of their, their big men. As it turns out, the only one who left was Thomas Kithier. So there really wasn't an opportunity to add anybody. But big, big coup for Shrewsbury to get him back because, look, the Big Ten is once again loaded with high-quality big men. 
I mean, yeah. just look, I, I've already mentioned some of them, you know, Dickinson, Coburn, the, the two guys at Purdue, uh, Trace Jackson Davis. That's just for starters. And then we can get into, into some of the other teams, and there are other names that are going to show up and, and be factors as well. So you really need to have a way to at least try to hang in there with those teams. Harar doesn't have the size of some of those guys. But he's 6'9". I'd say he goes about 240 at least. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got the strength. Yeah, and, and I really like the way his game is developed. You know, early on at Penn State, he was a try-hard guy. And every year he's gotten a little bit better. And I think last year you look at it, I mean, he shot 58% from the floor and 69% at the line. So this is not a guy who's a non-entity offensively. Yeah. He does damage in the post. He's got it's a rudimentary post game, but it is a post game. And he knows who he is and he plays to that. The rebounding numbers are great. He can give them a physical presence inside. Um, he's not a half bad athlete. I mean, in the pick and roll stuff, he hangs in there. So, yeah, for as much a hit as they took on the perimeter in the portal, getting him back at least gives them a real chance to be viable in the post. Mm. Uh, and then Miles Dredd, 6'5", senior, averaged 7.3 points a game, 36, 35 uh, from three, and 75 from the line. Yeah, you know, he's almost entirely a three-point shooter at this stage. Um, so they'd like – 35% is not terrible, but they'd like him to be better than that. Um, I, you know, there, there's he's going to see an expansion of minutes. He already has played a significant role in his first three years there. But, um, you know, you would think looking at this on the surface, uh, he should stand every opportunity, get every opportunity uh, to be a starter this year with mm-hmm. the guys they lost. And it's, if I recall, it seems like he had a pretty good freshman year and just hasn't really been able to, develop as much and kind of got passed up by jones yep yep that's true that's absolutely true his sophomore year was not great last year was a little bit of a bounce back but they they would like him to take another step from here Uh, and then sam sesums uh six foot guard averaged 8.2 points a game 41 from the floor 28 from 371 from the line yeah, you know, at his size, you would like him to be a better deep shooter, but the thing in his favor is he's got he's very quick, and that allows him to make an impact off the dribble. They, they just need him to be a more efficient player. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a chance he could start, but I'm guessing, since I, I don't really believe in him as a point guard, I'm guessing he will continue to be a six-man type, mm-hmm. which he was last year. Uh, and then Dalian Johnson, 6'3", sophomore, only played in eight games last year. Yeah, you know, again, they, they obviously they have a need for bodies on the perimeter. Some of these returnees and then some of the newcomers we'll talk about in a minute are all going to be in that mix. So Johnson gets a fresh start and a chance. But he didn't do much last season. And then Caleb Dorsey, 6'7", 235. Um looking to maybe be a reserve player in the, at the three or four. Yeah. I think he probably occupies a similar role with a similar physical profile as Seth Lundy. He's just younger. Uh, they do like his potential and um, you know, he didn't play much last year, but 
you don't you don't know how Shrewsbury will approach things if if he goes with a bigger playing group, then maybe Dorsey has a chance to kind of crack through and earn some minutes as a backup. Uh, and then, so the newcomers, um, you got to lead this one off. Jalen Pickett, who was sort of the crown jewel of transfers for Shrewsbury, 6'4", 200 pounds, point guard, um, and three-time all-conference player at Siena. Um, and yeah. he was the player of the year in 2020. Yeah, the, a lot of accolades. And this was a guy that um, Michigan, apparently, from what I recall, took a hard look at and ended up passing on in favor of Devontae Jones. But you could see why other major programs were interested, and they were. Um, so this was a coup for Shrewsbury. The knock on Pickett is that last season there was a perception that he played in a disinterested fashion. Mm. So – and look, the guy's been a three-time player, uh, all-conference player, was player of the year the year prior in his league. And then you add in COVID to it. He kind of, I'm not making excuses for it, but it, it's not mind-boggling to think that it could happen to a very talented kid. So the question is, does moving to Penn State, moving up a level, kind of light a fire under him and he gets back to being who he was previously? Great size for the position, decent athlete, um, his numbers last year were not terrible, 12.9 points a game, 40, 36, 75 shooting, and he averaged 4.8 assists per game. But all those numbers are lower than his career averages at Siena. So he went out on a bad note, relatively speaking. All that said, if he's properly motivated, he could be a huge addition for them. Again, losing Wheeler, you need, at, at, at the very least, you need somebody that can orchestrate this offense. This kid seems to have the potential to be much more than just an orchestrator. Uh-huh. He can score too, and they're going to need that. Um, so if he's right and if he's motivated, they could really have something in Pickett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jaheim Cornwall, 6'4 transfer from Gardner Webb, uh, and he was an all Big South selection last season, averaged 14.1 points a game, 44, 41, and 81 from the line. Yeah, and he's done it over his career. He wasn't just a one-year wonder of shooting deep. You know, here's the thing. If it translates, that's always the question, right? Uh, I would think he will be in the mix uh, for a starting spot on the wing opposite Miles Dredd. That would be my assumption. Um, Again, with the guys Penn State lost, they've got to find shooting. They've got to find scoring from somewhere. Cornwall would definitely be uh, someone that that they – should get every opportunity to make a big impact. The question for me is how does that big South shooting translate to the big 10? They both have big in the name, but it's a very different world. (laughs) Uh, And then Greg Lee, six, nine transfer from Western Michigan, Uh, man, poor Western just cannot seem to keep their guys. Uh, um, 13 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, um, 50 from the floor, 24 from three, 66 from the line. He had a nice year. You know, he, he was kind of a more obscure transfer for them. And and then you look at those numbers and you think, wow. I mean, he, he basically covered up pretty well for Brandon Johnson, who had transferred to Minnesota. Yeah. A similar size, and he did some similar things. The, the three-point shooting was a little bit of a knock. But, um, yeah, a, a nice option. I would think he he primarily is a backup here. Um 
behind Lundy at the four and maybe even some small ball five because of his length. Uh, but I, I would be surprised if Lee's not firmly in their rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Giovanni Scott, 6'7", 250. Uh, he's a JUCO transfer. Uh, looks like he'll maybe add some strength down low. Yeah, I think that's, you know, 6'7", 250. He at least gives you some bulk. Um, they don't, with, with, with Buttrick gone, they really don't have another guy besides Harar who brings a physical presence. Yeah, I just mentioned Greg Lee. He's pretty thin. Um, so Scott, I could see playing a role just because he can actually bring some, some actual physical presence to the table. Uh, and then Jelani white six, eight transfer from Kinesis. Um, but only averaged 5.1 points a game, 2.6 rebounds, uh, at Kinesis. Yeah. It, I, I would think it's not fair to expect much more than, you know, deep rotation contributions from him. If that, um, I mean, at this yeah. at, at this point, they're just filling the roster because there's really there's no freshmen. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it was, exactly, and that's the that's the hard part for um, for Shrewsbury's. He was in a similar position to Ben Johnson. He gets the job late. Yes, you have the portal, and they made use of it. I think in the greater scheme of things, you have to be pretty impressed. Pickett was a great get for them. There was real competition for him. And, you know, Cornwall and Lee look like they could be rotation guys, and in Cornwall's case, maybe even a starter. Mm. Um, so, you know, they did a decent job there, but it was just too late to do. Just imagine what it would have been like if they didn't have the portal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would have been filling out that roster with with very, very much reach kind of guys out of the high school ranks. So it's actually better than it would have been for Shrewsbury, but – yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot. And I think a lot like Ben Johnson, although not to the same degree, you kind of have to write this year off. I do think Penn State has a chance to be more competitive if Pickett is really good. Mm-hmm. If he's really good, that could elevate things because, you know, guys like Lundy and Dredd and Harar, they, they've played some. They Those are quality Big Ten players. They're not None of them are superstars, but... Those are those are guys who fit and look good on the roster of a legitimate Big Ten team. The question is, do you have a guy who can be a star elsewhere? Because I don't think any of those three guys are likely to be that. And and that's where Pickett comes in. Um, he's the main reason that I've got that. That and the fact that at least Penn State does return something from last year. Yeah. Those are the reasons we've got them ahead of Minnesota. But it's a roughly similar deal in that you don't want to judge Micah Shrewsbury on this season. You need to give him some time to recruit high school players, establish his program. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see the way Penn State plays because um, Pat Chambers has had kind of an interesting style. His teams tended to be pretty aggressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, weren't full court trapping kind of pressure very much, but uh, but they did occasionally bring that kind of look and, and they just brought a little bit of a different energy than most other big 10 teams. If Shrewsbury is similar to the guys he's coached under Matt Painter and Brad Stevens, I would think you could expect Penn state to be a little more deliberate offensively 
and maybe to be a little more packed in defensively than they've been. Mm. So I think it's reasonable to expect a little bit of a shift in style, but we'll have to see how, how that plays out. Okay. Any uh, final words on Penn State? No, I think that's it. Okay. Until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.